Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. here he's sitting in between me and MZ he's having a great time he's doing a purr he's getting a to... little cuddle and a squeeze pro- he's probably going to have to go out in about 15 minutes because he gets really uneasy and then he goes <coughs> but we'll leave him for the moment because he's doing that ASMR thing that we love people always like oh look when the cat purrs in the background and I just, I'd be like if I was listening to that I'd be like what's that like honestly yeah. that's what I'd be like sometimes when people like when they listen to the podcast and their phones go off that constantly happens on podcasts I listen to and I'm like oh really yeah I'll hear people I'm like, these unprofessional podcasters. Us. <laughs> we it's are the all, me listen back to our podcast. Also, I'm sorry, my nose is doing some weird thing at the moment, and I apologize because last week I was like, it's like a fucking coke fiend on the episode. So this week might be the same because I'm all congested. Yeah, all right. Welcome to this week's episode of uh, Emma Talks to Her Bodily Elements. Emma's sick. Well, I'm not sick. I'm actually not sick at all, um, but I just, I know people don't like listening to. What can, what can you do but what can you I know, do I know that's gross for people well, so I, can, Mark I Maron has 2,000 episodes or more at <laughs> some point he definitely had the flu definitely but anyway welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish hello it's episode and we hope you're having a good week and it's episode 111 11? yeah 111 is it? yeah I can never remember this was 110 last week it was you're right it's 111 I think yeah so anyway, welcome. If Hello, it's not 111, everybody. it's 112. Sorry so welcome to either or both. How was your, um, how was your dinner? Was it dinner? Dinner. Well, no, I went to... Dinner. What's the name of the place? No idea. Oh, jeez, something Mexican. What, was it lunch What's or dinner Spanish? you got? I got a brunch. I got brunch. a breakfast burrito. Delish. My and, and I have to just tell everybody to check this place out because it is so good. And it's so quirky and so cool. Um... Now, it's a bit like eating a burrito in your ma's cow shed. Oh, really? Yeah, like That's it's a vibe? container at the back of a cow shed and all. Um, what a strange name. Noll. La Cochina Cuevos. La Cochina Cuevos. Um, and they were so lovely. They were so nice. nice and they sold out. So the one thing I will say, if you're thinking or considering going to La Cochina Cuevos um, in Noll, <coughs> it's you have to have a car. There's no other way to get oh, there. Oh, yeah, like it's in the middle of Noll. Um, and they sell out of food yeah so like we got there it opened at 11 it was supposed to close at 3 right at like one thirty, they had I want a birria birria yeah they none left Nothing. and all they had was breakfast burritos left and then like two people behind us got the last and then that was it they were done yeah and I had a horchata and then she made me this other drink the girl that owns it is so nice she gave me like free thing oh. she gave me like loads of free stuff to try and like just was lovely um, and the food was unbelievably good. We're, me and you are going back. Let's go. Um, they do like Mexican street corn, like oh, street food. Oh, my face. And it just looked <coughs> unreal. I didn't have it because the brunch menu was like paired back. Um, 
But yeah, I would was highly, it highly recommend. No, they have little so it's actually really cute. It was cold, but the sun was beaming in, so actually was it as bad? We set in like a little hut type thing. Okay. So these little huts that they've made with like blankets and little cute. um cushions and it's really cute. And then outside of that they've got like three little tables that like right. the sun was like beaming directly into them. Um. So no, we weren't cold. That's but, good. Like I could see on like a wet, miserable day, it you'd be, be like eating and and getting out there as soon as possible. Um. Okay, we gotta go. But we have to go. I think Flavio would love it as well. Let's go. Um, it's such a good vibe, and the girl, as I said, the staff were so lovely. They got Graham's order wrong, and they couldn't have been more apologetic about it. They were like, "Oh my god, we're just really busy, and like we're so sorry." And we were like, it's "Totally." Are they Irish owned? Uh, yeah. Ah. Um. Although I definitely. Someone in there is, is Mexican because they're making like Mexican authentic Mexican food. Delicioso. Um, Do you want to go out, Jack? Like the birria came with a consomme. Oh, wow. Oh, I wanted this so bad. It was gone, but it was all gone. Do you want to go out? Jack, do you want to go out? Do you not want to listen to me talking about Mexican food? I can't hear you at all. He's dead. Don't yaw. Don't meow at me. Ow! He wants to get down, but he's like, there's stuff in the way. Okay, I'm going to put him out. A few moments later. Everybody got their uh, um, their purring ASMR, though. They should be happy. To get ourselves a snack. Do you remember they used to play it on MTV? I don't remember that, no. In between, there was an ad, and it was just like, and it was a back-flipping hot dog. Is that not from, um, what you call it? Fucking Adult Swim. Adult Swim used to do that. Oh, okay. Well, I don't one think of it was MTV, yeah. And then a hot dog would backflip into the bun. Yeah, that was Adult Swim. And then they'd sing, let's go. And I always wanted... Adult Swim. Oh, I always wanted popcorn then after watching that. Really? Yeah, that advertising really works on Sarah Clearly Jane. it does, yeah. Do I don't like... Um, yeah, go The only thing I like in the cinema, I see people like, you're, you kind of like that. You you order other stuff in cinema. You'll get like a nacho or a thing. I only like popcorn in a cinema. That's it. I like it all. There's a cinema over in Charlestown, Finglas. It's the Odeon Cinema. Oh, yeah, another one, yeah. Oh, my God, they do so many great things. <laughs> <laughs> they do, it's a veritable wonder. They do, like, waffle fries. They do chicken goujons. What? They do hot dogs. Um, The hot dogs, They you can have a chili dog. You can have a, have a salsa dog. You can have, like, a cheese dog with cheese sauce and salsa. They do nachos with guac, sour cream, and cheese. And the cheese sauce is, like, spicy. Whoa. And then they do popcorn with butter, popcorn with cheese sauce. Oh my God, people are having meals in and this And then they do chocolate and all of the You know who does shite food? What? The Lighthouse. Oh, the Lighthouse is the worst. Like, I get that it's trying to be an arty. I understand they're trying to be like hipstery, arty place, but like the food is just not good. The popcorn is rotten. Rotten. Like rotten. We and never they, get popcorn when and they we go there. And they only give you drinks in like bottles. And yeah. I'm like, give me a fucking cup for yeah. fuck's sake. Like, um, We love popcorn. Yeah. And whenever we go there, we never, never get, popcorn. get popcorn. But I like giving them money yeah. because I want to like exactly. support the yeah. cinema. But I'm like, but no, I'm your like, popcorn is absolutely disgusting. Like, get a Diet Coke. Here's a bottle of Diet Coke. Oh my God, we're in a cinema. Yeah. I'm like, open it and then trying to find the hole. Yeah. In the dark. Yeah. Uh, Sort your shit out the lighthouse. Last time we went there, because the cinema's food is so shite and I have no self-control. I got a bag of wine gums and whenever, yeah, whenever I, I was with you, I got really sick. You got really sick, yeah. Because I cannot eat an entire bag of jellies (laughs) because I'm a fucking diabetic or something. Like jellies make some people really ill. They make me so unwell. I don't buy, here's what, I I go to a shop and I see a bag of jellies and I go, I'd love a bag of jellies and I don't buy them and here's why. I will not stop. 
until that bag is yeah do you know what that's empty. the only food I've ever seen you like I will, sweet uh, food uh, or uh, snack food uh, uh, that you will like you can't like that's, I can't stop you can't stop I when am, I get like, them and that's why I don't buy them I don't have them in the house because I will literally sit and eat them until they're gone I don't know what it is I jealous. like having them when you're around because then I don't get sick because <laughs> I'm like no, 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 no. Um, yeah because the the stationary people at work always send us jellies and I just give them out to everybody because I'm like please don't give me these because I will be sick shove them all in my face like I'll take a handful and put them in my I don't know what it is about them but I love them Craig always buys jellies I like any of those eggs I love a straw you know the big strawberries yeah I love one of them but I'm nearly choked on them loads of times you know when you're like you, you think it's like broken up enough yeah or you think it's oh, like you yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, soft yeah, yeah. enough and then you go to swallow and you're, you're like, like oh jeez <laughs> um, I love the um, the candy the rainbow bacon oh yeah, I love them and I love a fizzy one as well I love well. a fizzy one I love what are the the keys no this the long ones the oh, what do you call Laces. Yeah, the laces. Strawberry laces. Oh, fuck me. Put it in my face. Put it in me. I just love them. I would love some jellies right now. All I was saying to Colin before he came here is like, I just want a slice of cake and a cup of tea. Why didn't you tell me I would have brought it? No. Silly. I was just, I just really want to go slice of cake. Am I going, I'm going to get a slice, slice of cake tomorrow where Park Somewhere. West is like shut down because it's bank holiday. I'll make you a cake. <laughs> make me a cake. Yeah. I got, I got too many eggs delivered. <laughs> make me a cake. What uh, kind of cake are you going to make me? I'll make whatever you want. I'll make uh, Victoria sponge. What do you want? Victoria sponge. Okay. But I want fresh cream and strawberries. Grant. I can do it. Woohoo! I'm going to text you tomorrow now that you said this no to problem. me. I'm gonna I will get up and I will go to Tesco's and I will get bitch. all the stuff. What time are you flying out tomorrow? Uh, I don't fly out. I'm not leaving for the airport until like half four or five. Oh, that's grand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've loads of time then. Yeah, loads of time. And I'm actually delighted because... Um, I'm going to Birmingham for I'm having, having a baby. A baby. I'm going to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> and that's next, all we can say in the Brummie accent. And next thing I'm going to, to Liverpool. Liverpool. There you go. There's two accents um, for you. <laughs> going to Liverpool. Liverpool. If actually, just a girl in Liverpool that I want to get tattooed off. Okay. So I'm going to see if she has uh, space? availability. But um, anyway, I'm going to Birmingham tomorrow. Thank so gosh. I'm not going anywhere exciting. But I'm delighted because I'm out of like my primer and my eyebrow pencils and my mascara so you and you some? get duty free because England are out oh. of the European Union it's great it's fucking crazy yeah no it's great I there are benefits I'll drop that's the only benefit um, what I can think of right now like the only benefit but yeah so I'm delighted and then the following week I'm in Liverpool and I've never been to Liverpool before Liverpool's a lovely city so I'm looking forward to going and being there you'll have a great time anybody has any recommendations yes Rex I've been work column. but like I can do stuff at night what like are you in there the whole week no in Liverpool I'm only there two days but I'm planning on going Jim. like the night forks you know what I'm like yeah travelling travelling wise and then, yeah <laughs> I, excuse me and then I might try stay the weekend okay I pay for my oh my god we are dreadful yeah you're sneezing I'm yawning yeah, sorry apologies uh, and try stay until Sunday oh nice uh, with Graham and Lily maybe bring them over yeah because they've never been either and like it's supposed to be a good, cool city a nice city will she not be in school no she comes over Friday night oh sorry so she's really only going to get like one I full can... day there but yeah. like it's it's something isn't it? that's it I want to go away you're going away in a month I know but it's not soon enough and you're going away for two weeks in a month and you're going far away it's such a long time two weeks is such a long time I'm trying to figure out how I pay use my avios uh, oh I have no clue 
Aer Lingus points. Have you got tons? Yeah, I've no idea how to use them. I have tons. And then when we were buying flights to Canada, I tried to figure out how to use them and I couldn't figure it out. And I, Flavia was like, just forget about it. We'll what tier have you got? Huh? What tier are you? I have no idea. I'm a gold tier. I have no idea what I am. And I was like, how do I use these? <clears throat> um, yeah, we tried because I thought there might be a space to like add in a thing or something. Nothing. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother with this now. It annoyed me so much. I was like, forget about it. Yeah, no, I really we'll buy a flight. Today I was like, why have I got all these points if I can't use them? And move on with our lives. Um, oh yeah, also my mum bought me a fucking voucher for Ryanair for Christmas. Oh yeah. And I tried to use it and it kept saying to me, the voucher does not match uh, the person buying the ticket. And I was like, what? Are you serious? And so I was at it for ages and ages and ages and ages. And I was like, this is not working. And I messaged, they did their like live, live chat thing. And the guy kept saying to me, the names don't match. And I was like, sir, my name is Emma McCormick. The thing says Emma McCormick. I was like, I've triple, quadruple checked the spelling. What are you talking about? And then I could just see the bubble popping up for ages because he didn't know what to say to me. And uh, he was like, well, I don't know what's wrong. He was like, I'll speak to one of my supervisors. And then when we ended the chat and I tried it again, it worked. I was like, what the fuck? What? Hey, Sarah, when I told tell you I was out of two hours, I was like, it is matching. I thought I was going crazy. I even showed it to one of the girls in work. I was like, is that matching? She was like, yeah. Ryanair oh but they're all like Aer Lingus was having problems with her uh, website during the week so uh, everybody get your shit together I went to Scaries today beautiful Scaries and oh my god it was such a lovely day beautiful Scaries because it was like the first calm a little bit warmer yeah still fucking freezing it's still freezing no wind no rain day of the year yeah and everybody and their mother was out was out in Scaries and it was lovely and I was sat here writing about I asked did you want to come and no um, it takes me hours to do these things and then I had the Mexican food and I had scallops scallops oh they were lovely I don't like scallops I know you don't I, I, wish, really... I, li- I wish I liked them because I know they're quite good for you are they? yeah they're meant to be quite well they're not done in tons of butter and stuff they're meant to be quite good for you these weren't done in tons of butter oh there you go they're good for you okay. um, anyway and then I had ice cream which isn't so good for me in the storm in a teacup place out there which is actually very cute Um. Ah! And I had a lovely day. Good. And now I'm here with you. What does that mean? Just turn it. Did it? Off you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get this done. Colin, Colin has a, an interview with a with a metal Isn't magazine. That's so exciting. At nine o'clock or half eight or nine o'clock, so we've gotta get we've gotta power through this. He's gotta get himself all dolled up. That's it. Um how's Is he on camera? I think so. Okay. That's why he's wearing the t shirt. He, wearing- he wants to melt people to think he's cool. No, a hundred percent! Sleeves are cut off it so he can show his tats. Oh, okay. I don't know what he's what You I know to. this boy. I know what he's You up know to. this boy. Um, so just for housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. I don't have much just to say thank you to everybody that's still supporting the Patreon. Um, and people that have bought the merch and stuff. So thank you. But also, um, we got an email during the week from a lovely girl. I'm not going to give her name because she didn't email me back. So I don't know if she was comfortable with me talking about it or whatever, but she just emailed about her friend and her friend is um, Natalie McNally. A few of you might know who she is. Natalie was stabbed to death in Armagh just before Christmas. Yeah. Um, And her friend emailed just to talk about her. I'm not going to cover the case yet because to be honest with it you... It hasn't gone to court. It hasn't gone to court and Natalie's family are going through enough. So I just said I'd let the dust settle on that before we even talked about it. But... um. Yeah, Natalie was stabbed to death and her friend just wanted to talk about how what a great, kind, beautiful person she was and how they're all so devastated by what happened. And then weirdly enough, two days ago, there was a break in the case and Natalie's ex-partner was arrested. 
because he's a streamer. He streams video games. Was he arrested twice? No idea. Yeah, All he was arrested and then no they idea. let him go. Um, but he streams video games. So he, you know, you play live like and Twitch. you stream or Twitch yeah. or YouTube or something. Um, so his alibi was that he was streaming at the time when it happened. So it couldn't have been him. But then it turned out he had recorded the stream, said in the stream, I can't reply to any of your comments because there's a problem and played it as if it was live. Oh my God. So the police just discovered this and arrested him again. So obviously I don't, it's all alleged at this point in time. It's all up in the air, innocent and proven, proven guilty, blah, blah, blah. But um, I just wanted to say, talk about it because that girl did email us. And actually this case I'm doing tonight is quite similar to what happened to Natalie. So just to say we're thinking there of There are all. so many stories of things that, just like what happened to Natalie, that yeah. just keep happening. Happening constantly. Over and over again. Like violence against women is not a female problem. No. It's a male it's problem. It's a male problem. And like... It's femicide in the north of Ireland is at a disgrace time. It's insane. So I just wanted to mention Natalie and just to say we're so sorry to her friends and her family because it's devastating. Horrific. And the fact that he did that is so evil that he was like, I'm going to play a pre-recorded stream and pretend it's live and didn't think the police would find out. That's insane. Like the absolute psychopath behavior of that. So yeah, they were like, well, you did, this was pre-recorded and you were not where you said you were. So yeah, just wanted to say that. Um, I have nothing else. Do you have anything else? No, I, I don't have any, I don't think anybody's like I have not, that housekeeping. Message to me or anything, um, at all. Um, just the people have voted that suit number two in the video of Colin. Suit number two, Colin. Is the one. That's the one I liked as well. That's the one I liked. Suit number two. Suit number two. Uh, is the people want, and then people want Colin to do a fashion segment. Um, good luck with that. Um, good luck with getting him to like sit still, sit still for, like, for two minutes, minutes to do a fashion. Um, and his fashion will just be like, I like this t-shirt. Uh, I cut the sleeves off to show me tattoos. And um, I like these. Uh, I like these oogie boots that he wears around the house. And he looks like he's. I keep telling him he looks like he stormed the capital recently. Actually, Collins. Colin's fashion sense is indicative of whatever music he's listening if to he, at yeah, the time. Yeah, if he's listening so to a I certain time. So I can always time. tell when I meet Colin what's he listening to? What music he's what genre of music or what era of music he's, he's listening to. He's into metal at the moment. Yeah, it's so metal, he's at, metal at the minute so he does look like a QAnon member. Yeah. Um, and then he'll probably call us out. He looks like a January 6th-er. Yes. <laughs> and then um, and Sorry ago, Colin. A while ago he was listening to like a lot of the Stone Temple pilots and he does shave his beard in a certain way yeah. that I know he's he wants to be Scott Whelan. And he wears hats. And he wears hats. Yeah. Then we know when Bowie's happening because... Yeah, it's all like tight suits. Or fedoras. Or fedoras, yes. Um, but he, you know what? It's it's a good way to live your life. But actually, no. It's, I was The reason I'm saying is that like actually a fashion segment with Colin might be interesting. That'd be really fun. we would have to do it over like a full year. <laughs> like, Each time a band that he Each likes forget a new band. album, we have yeah. to do it then. Um, we love you, Collie. Yeah, no, we love you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start the story. Hey, Colin. Tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. 
That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most International for those cases you guys have been crying out for, or even Music Most Awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan-favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts the shite, plus our monthly Ask Me Our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. Um, so this week I am going to talk about Jolene Core, and there are massive trigger warnings here for domestic violence, domestic abuse. Um, obviously murder um, but just it's very detailed about not very detailed about domestic abuse but there's a lot of domestic abuse in it so I know is she people, related to Jim? she's not related to Jim thankfully that mad cunt um, <laughs> so my references are the Irish Times Free Library the Irish News The Sun Belfast Live BBC.com um, The Down Recorder there's a lot okay I have bajillion just when you go on it you'll see all the references if you want to read any of the articles um, so I'm just going to begin with a quote from the agenda ni.com and they said the most recent statistics show that Northern Ireland faces an endemic in relation to female murders with more per capita murdered in Northern Ireland as a result of domestic violence than any other part of Western Europe in Europe the murder rate of women subjected to domestic violence is joint highest in Northern Ireland and Romania but so those statistics were just released last year. Yeah, it's horrific what's going on up there. Absolutely horrific. Is there a reason? Men. Their, his- their history? Men. Yeah, but it's um, like... But I think it's because it's... It, a lot of their laws in Northern Ireland are not as steadfast and set in stone as the laws in Ireland and the rest of the UK. So December 2nd, 2016 at 12.42pm, Jolene Corr's neighbour received a phone call from Michael O'Connor. The neighbour only knew of Michael as Jolene's ex-boyfriend and they were confused as to why they were receiving a call from him. When they answered, O'Connor told them Sorry, O'Connor asked them if they could go check on Jolene, that she had rang him and told him she had taken, quote, loads of tablets. Jolene's neighbour panicked and immediately ran to Jolene's house with their friend. They found the door unlocked and called out for her. Not receiving an answer, they ran up the stairs to Jolene's bedroom and called out again. They walked closer to Jolene and found her laying beneath the covers. As one of the neighbours called for an ambulance, the other put their hand out to hopefully rouse Jolene. It had only been moments since Michael called, so maybe Jolene was okay. Maybe she hadn't taken any pills, but instead instead decided to sleep. When the neighbour reached to touch the back of Jolene's head, they pulled their hand away quickly. Something was very wrong. He turned to his friend in the room and said, her head, it's like a broken Easter egg. Oh. The neighbour called O'Connor back as they waited for an ambulance. The two in complete shock. When O'Connor answered the neighbour, answered the phone the neighbour asked what did you do to her O'Connor replied I done nothing to her she tried to hang herself last night so Jolene Corr was 21 years old when she met Michael O'Connor in Armo 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 
Show me. Ormo. Is it Ormo? Looks like Ormo. Ormo. Ormo? Yeah. Park in South Belfast in 2013. Jolene was a qualified beauty therapist and according to her doting mother, Carol, Jolene was a beautiful, kind, generous person. How old is he? He was, she was 21 and he was, he was seven years older than her, so 28. Jolene, uh, she had a passion for dancing and singing, something her and her mum would do around the house, standing in the kitchen, singing at the top of their lungs. Carol said Jolene had a love for life, that it was contagious, but upon meeting O'Connor in 2013, Carol watched her daughter change. She became withdrawn, guarded even. Her love for life started to dwindle and Carol knew something was wrong. Michael and Jolene became close very quickly. In an October of 2013, Jolene fell pregnant. So they met in May and she was pregnant by October. Oh God. Jolene was overjoyed, as was Carol and their family, but Carol still couldn't shake the feeling that something was really, really wrong. In July 2014, Jolene gave birth to a little boy named James. She took to motherhood incredibly well and her little boy became her number one priority. She did everything to keep him happy and healthy and she too seemed to be somewhat happier. James seemed to give her back some of her joy. And then Carol said this. She said, we had a close relationship where me, her and her wee son, James, went out shopping while my younger children were at school. We would go and have a pamper day, get our hair done and then back to my house for lunch. My other children would always be excited when she was coming up. So Jolene was the oldest. And she had four siblings. Carol was wary of Michael, as were all of Jolene's family. And in 2015, Carol's worst fears would be realised when Jolene came to her mother and told her Michael was violent and she was a victim of domestic abuse. Oh, God. Which she told her mother, which I like fair play because a lot of people don't. Yeah. So, you know, it's good that she told her. Jolene had tried to get away from O'Connor, but it became impossible. So in June 2015, one month after Jolene told her mother about the abuse she was suffering at O'Connor's hands, Carol helped Jolene and her son move out of her house in West Belfast and into a new property in Downpatrick. So she had to leave Belfast to get away from him. Okay. Jolene and Carol also applied to the courts for a non-molestation order against O'Connor, which meant he was to stay away from Jolene and James and any contact would lead to him being brought before a court. Now, the non-molestation order is not police-based. So it's nothing to do with the police. It's only to do with the court system. So this is the way Northern Ireland is set up. So you go to the court to get this injunction. You don't go to the police. How do the police police it? They don't police it. She didn't go to the police at all. So this is the problem. This is where the disconnect is. She did not go to the police once. She didn't report him once. She went straight to the courts and they gave her the sparring order. So if you're a victim of domestic violence, you can apply to the court for a non-molestation order. Um, This is from, I'll put the link to the website this is on. The order is intended to protect you or a relevant child or children from being harassed, pestered, intimidated, or from any threat of such behaviour. An application can be made ex parte in an emergency situation without the offender being aware, or inter parte where the offender will be given notice of a court hearing. Okay. Carol had said that Jolene was terrified of Michael and of the system, so avoided contacting the police in fear James would be taken from her. She said, quote, My Jolene was terrified of him and the system. Those young girls who are in a rush, they're too afraid to go to the police and social services. They're terrified of losing their kids and my heart bleeds for them. So this seems to be a lot of what's happening. Girls are terrified that if they go to the police, there's going to be some sort of like their kids the police turn up to their... Which does happen, Sarah. It does happen. Like if you if you were like Josh Homme and fucking Brody Dal, their kids were just taken away from them. Were they? Yeah. Google it when you get a chance. Yeah. They're sent to one of these camps where they send these kids to try and like 
it's like it's like they're pitting the, they think they're pitting their parents against each other. It's horrific. Have a look at it after this. Their kids get taken away from them. They're sent somewhere else, and both parents don't get them because they're because they're in a domestic violence situation, and because in America especially, it's almost like the courts don't know who to believe, so they take the kids. So it does happen. Gosh. Yeah, have a look at it afterwards. Sure, if you're in a case, then you just wouldn't want to get help. Yeah. This is what I'm saying and this is what she was saying. So many girls don't go... Like, I know people who are in domestic-based situations that didn't go near the police. They were terrified. They were like, if I go to the police and the police come up to him, he's going to find me and he's going to kill me. Yeah, no, that That's is... That's how bad yeah. it becomes, you know? But yeah, have a look at the Josh Homme thing after. It's fucking crazy. So Jolene's abuse was so violent and life-threatening that a panic alarm was placed in her property and if O'Connor was to find her or try to enter the property, she could call for help. On the 25th of November 2015, Jolene and James travelled from Downpatrick to Belfast to spend some time with Carol. Jolene's sisters and brothers, as well as her cousins, all arrived to Carol's house in Beechmount. Jolene made plans to spend Christmas with Carol and the two decided to decorate Carol's Christmas tree and it's a memory Carol holds dearly. Jolene spent the week with Carol and on the 29th of November, the family travelled to the West Club on the Falls Road. Mm-hmm. in West Belfast to celebrate Jolene's 26th birthday. So these are Catholics? Maybe. Two days later, on December 1st, Jolene and James decided to return home to Downpatrick. With bl- plans made for Christmas, Carol hugged her daughter and grandson at the gate, goodbye at the gate, and waved them goodbye. She said, quote, she had picked up a wee puppy for her boy, James, for Christmas. When she left to get the bus to Downpatrick that morning, I hugged and kissed her and told her I loved her and said I'll be on the phone to you soon. This would be the last time Carol would see her daughter Jolene alive. 24 hours after saying goodbye to Jolene, Carol's phone rang. It was Michael O'Connor. He told her the same story he had told Jolene's neighbours, that Jolene had taken an overdose of pills. Carol was terrified, she said. My legs left me. All the neighbours came out. I kept ringing Jolene's phone and then finally someone answered. It was Jolene's neighbour who was sat with her as they waited for the ambulance. I said, please tell me my daughter is okay and asked if she'd taken an overdose. The person on the other end said, I don't know about an overdose, but this wee girl's lying here black and blue from head to toe. Oh God. I knew right away it was him. So the ambulance arrived and transported Jolene to Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast. Halfway through the journey, the ambulance came to an abrupt stop as the extent of Jolene's injuries meant she had to be placed on life support before she even reached the hospital. Oh my God. When Carol reached the hospital, the doctors warned her that Jolene's injuries were life-threatening and her appearance may be deeply upsetting for her and her family to witness. Where was the baby? You'll find out. Jolene was in a coma. She had 52 bruises all over her body from the top of her neck to the bottom of her feet and had suffered a catastrophic brain injury. Carol said she had the biggest shock of her life upon seeing her daughter. She was unrecognisable. I almost collapsed and ran the other direction. I couldn't believe my wee girl like that, being a mother and seeing my daughter laying there. She may be 26, but she's still my baby. Jolene remained in the hospital from December 2016 to May 2017. The doctors and nurses tried everything they could, but the damage done to Jolene's brain was too severe. They too were devastated about Jolene's conditions. Uh, Carol spoke of one of the doctors who worked on Jolene when she arrived. She said, the doctor on duty that day 
Jolene was attacked, Leisha said to us that he felt so guilty. I asked him why, as the staff were brilliant. He told us he should have just let her pass away, but he heard a wee no- noise, and because she was only 26, he thought we'll try oh to give God. this kid a chance. Another consultant Carol spoke to was horrified at Jolene's injuries. The intensive care consultant said she was the worst case he'd seen in 10 years, Carol said. And he'd seen motorbike accidents and car accidents. She was that bad. What did he do to her? God, Sarah, it's horrific. The doctors explained to Carol that the left side of Jolene's brain was dead and its stem damaged, meaning she would never recover and would be in a vegetative state for the rest of her life. Carol's world fell apart. Carol had to take on the job of bringing Jolene's little boy to the hospital to see his mum. Ah! Trying to stay strong, Carol explained to James that his mummy was sleeping. I said to him, your mummy's a sleepy head and she's got a sore throat. He just looked at me and I said, look at all the things your mummy has got you. He saw a picture above the bed of Jolene and him with Santa the week before. She was hurt. I looked, lifted him up and gave... He gave his mum a kiss. It was sad, but I held strong for Jolene. This woman is so strong. The nurses dressed Jolene in pink, painted her nails and braided her hair, and James lay beside her on the bed, cuddling her. Jolene remained in hospital for six months when it was decided that she should be moved to a specialist brain injury clinic in Musgrave Park Hospital. As Jolene lay in a coma, Michael O'Connor was arrested and charged with inflicting grievous bodily harm with intent. When he spoke to the police, O'Connor told them he woke at 11am and that Jolene was sleeping beside him. Fuck off. He mentioned they had had an argument the previous night over a text message Jolene had received on her mobile phone. He said that they had made up and gone to sleep. At 10.30am the next morning, O'Connor had woken up and Jolene was still asleep. He had shaved his head, taken a shower, taken James and went into the town to carry out some errands. He said at 12.35, Jolene had called him to tell him she had taken pills. He then called the neighbours and Carol to inform them. So O'Connor was remanded and placed in jail. So Jolene was now in the care of the nurses and doctors at at Musgrave Park Hospital. Carol and Jolene's family, her brother Jim and sisters Cherry, Chloe and Christine, visited nearly every day, making sure she was never alone. They were also allowed to bring Jolene home to Carol's house. Carol said they brought Jolene home three times, but she did not react and did not know who her family were. They took pictures with Jolene, had parties for her, and her little sister Christine would paint her nails. They would bring James along and place him on Jolene's lap. uh, Carol said, One of my daughters brought in a cake and candles. We all sang to Jolene. I sang Butterfly Kisses by Bob Carlyle. Jolene and I would sing that together when my own mummy was alive. I felt it was important to sing it to her, even if I don't know she could she could hear me it was a special moment even though we're all hurting and want Jolene to come around in September 2017 Carl was informed by the doctors at Musgrave Park Hospital that they could not do anything else for Jolene no amount of medical intervention would cause any degree of improvement in Jolene's brain injury so the Corps decided to look for a nursing home for Jolene okay Carol said she can't talk she can't walk she can't eat she doesn't communicate Nothing will change. There's no quality of life. Sometimes her body goes into spasm. She starts taking seizures recently, but they got them under control. The doctor said she's there in body, but not there in mind. As Carol and her family continued to be by Jolene's side, they also knew she was in extreme pain. The brain She's in pain. Mm-hmm. 
the brain injury had removed any semblance of a happy, productive life for Jolene and she was suffering. Like, whatever way the damage had been done to her brain, doctors were like, no amount of medication is helping her. It's that severe. Unless we put her in an induced coma. So her being awake, she was just in pain. So 17 months after Jolene had been brutally beaten, a landmark court ruling was made that Jolene Corr, at just 27 years of age, should, quote, no longer be kept alive due to the extreme pain caused by her injuries. The, the administration of food and fluids would be stopped and Carol was told Jolene would live no longer than 10 days. We're absolutely devastated. There are no words to describe it, Carol told BBC reporters outside the High Court. She'd have been proud to have been a history maker, though, even if it is for something like this. She fought so hard for so long and we are all so proud of her for that. My heart has been ripped out and shattered into a million pieces. The staff at Northern Ireland Hospice are going to keep her as comfortable as they can, but we know that within the next few days we'll be saying our goodbyes. It's not fair to make her have to cope with the pain any longer. Jolene was the happiest, bubbliest, most loving and beautiful girl in the world. She was a great mum too. Everything she did was for her son and I'm going to miss her so much. On April 26th, 2018, Jolene Corr took her final breath. Carol asked a nurse to place Jolene in her arms as the family sang over the rainbow. She took her last breath, Carol said, and I just thought, let her go in peace. So, like, when she died, like, the outpouring of, like, love for that family and, like, people just were devastated because there was, they still had a little bit of hope, hope that she might pull through. And then, obviously, when that landmark hearing came through, they were like, there's no hope. So that was kind of the end of the road, you know, that way for them. Those poor people. I've never heard anything about this case. I heard about it a while ago, actually, and I only heard about it because when Ashley Murphy was killed, this girl's name was mentioned. And like a list of women that had been killed previously. Michael O'Connor sat in prison as the Corps lost a daughter, a sister, a mother and a best friend. And now because of Jolene's death, his charge would be increased to murder. Once being informed of this and that he would go to trial, Michael's story changed once again. This time he told the police that he and Jolene did in fact have an argument, but it had taken place at the top of the stairs. Michael admitted to punching Jolene so hard that she fell down the stairs, breaking her neck. Breaking her head, sorry. This punch also resulted in the breaking of Jolene's jaw. He punched her so hard, he shattered her jaw. Not broke it, shattered it. He said... Was the house cleaned? Yeah, the house, he cleaned up everything. Cleaned up everything. So when the forensics came, they did find blood where he said there will be blood. But he said that after all this, she had stood up, opened the door and vomited outside. So he was trying to say that she had like a concussion. This is where his thing was going. He said that after this, the two had gone to bed. What? What was he doing in her house, first and foremost? It was like an injunction to stop him. She let him in. She let him in. O'Connor pled guilty to manslaughter, but refused to admit any guilt. As the trial loomed, a past partner of O'Connor's came forward to Carol to tell them that O'Connor had been incredibly violent to her throughout their relationship too. Claire McCabe, who was 31 years old, was in a relationship with um, this fucking scumbag for five years and they had a son together really, really quickly as well. Yeah, that's really this common is the in MO, terms yeah. of like... Claire called her time with McCabe, quote, complete hell. O'Connor was physically violent and emotionally abusive, ensuring Claire was always afraid. 
If he had been drinking or taking drugs, he would lash out, she said. If he didn't like anything I said and done, it was an excuse to start an argument. And if I answered him back, it would become physical. Claire told the police about a number of incidents in which McCabe had physically assaulted her. She said, in May 2016, he assaulted me while holding my wee, while my wee boy was present. He choked me and punched me and held me down in the bed. He wrecked my house again. He broke the child's scooter he had just got for his birthday. Claire decided after this final attack, she would take her son and leave Belfast to try and find peace and safety. She said that despite reporting the incidents to the police, she always dropped the charges of fear of repercussions. When Claire heard about Jolene, she knew she had to do something. I was heartbroken, she said. The thing that went through my head was that could have been me. So Carol, Jolene's mother, said of Claire, she came to me, gave a statement and went to the court. She was very brave. Like, fair play to this girl. Mm. Claire said she is still affected by what O'Connor did to her. I don't like leaving my house on my own, she said. I am constantly looking over my shoulder just in case someone finds out where I live. I have severe anxiety. It was horrible, just constantly on edge. What could you say? What kind of mood was he in? It was hell, complete hell. So as the state gathered evidence against O'Connor, it was discovered that he had 91 previous convictions, including domestic abuse and battery. What? 91. And he was out walking around. Like, what the fuck? How does someone have 91 convictions and they're still walking around? Like... The police had gathered enough evidence against O'Connor for a solid guilty verdict. Um, along with the other nine, with the 91 previous convictions, O'Connor had lied about Jolene making a phone call to him to say, say that yeah. she had taken an overdose. A brain injury specialist confirmed that Jolene's injuries were so severe that in no way would she even have been able to pick up a phone. Toxicology reports also confirmed there were no drugs in Jolene's system. Oh, he told that she, she was like, she's taking an overdose. In July 2020, the trial was set to begin. Carol, along with her family and Claire McCabe, dressed in t-shirts with Jolene's faces on, face on them, waited in the courtroom for Michael, Michael's trial to begin. The jury were called and as opening arguments were about to begin, it was explained to the judge that Michael O'Connor had changed his plea from manslaughter to guilty of murder of Jolene Corr. Okay. Carol said the family jumped for joy or in complete shock. We're so ecstatic. We are just delighted that we got justice for her, she said. Jolene would be so proud. Everyone did her proud. The barristers, the judge, CID, PPS, they were all amazing. During sentencing, O'Connor... Did not have been sorry. amazing in the beginning and done their fucking job at the very beginning? Exactly. During sentencing, O'Connor, over video links, so initially he had been in the court for the first part and then the second part he was on video link. Okay. Smiled and laughed. Sorry. Smiling and laughing at the judge. Judge uh, Judge Jeffrey Miller QC handed down a life sentence to O'Connor of 16 years. 16 years? Yeah, and he'd already done three. Because from the time he was arrested to this, he was in jail. He fucking shit me. Yep. He told uh, the court, quote, uh, sorry, he called him a both a physical and psychological buddy and he would serve at least the full 16 years behind uh, bars for the murder of Jolene Corr and would only be released under a lifelong li lifelong license when the parole commissioners considered it safe to do so. He'll be out. He'll be out. Not a doubt. They don't care about women, Sarah. They just don't. Judge Miller praised the fortitude of Carol and her family and said Jolene's life was cruelly cut short. O'Connor rubbed his hands together and clapped loudly. What? He's like, it's, he's a fucking psychopath. He's an evil bastard. So this is from the Belfast Telegraph verbatim. 
sentencing O'Connor, Judge Miller said that O'Connor's actions that night has to be seen in the context of a man who used violence, both physical and psychological, as a means of control and was the culmination of continual domestic violence perpetrated against Jolene, who was vulnerable and with a child in the house. One shudders to think what that little boy witnessed or heard. Yeah. He was in the house when she knocked, he knocked her downstairs. Did he knock her downstairs? He punched her. She fell down the stairs, hit her head, and he went downstairs and beat the shit out of her until she died. And then brought her back upstairs. Dragged her back upstairs, put her in the bed, bed. and cleaned up. And then had a shower and shaved Had a shower hair. the next morning. Slept in the bed with her, Sarah. Got up the next morning, got dressed, had a bath, took his kid and went into town to do some errands. And then rang them and was like, oh, she took an overdose. A psychopath. That's a psychopath. Oh, so outside the courtroom. Did I ever tell? Sorry. I no, go on, go on, go on. No, no, I, I, I know. Tell me about the girl in, in Chicor. I only know this because I know someone that, like, I my mom knows her. Yeah. But she was in an abusive relationship, like a violent relationship. Yeah. And um, she'd, like, broken up with a guy and then no one could get in touch with her. Yeah. And her mom went down and found her in her apartment apartment and only for a man went down he had beaten her it gets really weird he'd beaten her so badly like her face was like a balloon like she looked horrific he had washed her he had washed the bed sheets and changed the bed sheets he had cut her hair he had cut her fingernails and toenails what and like fully showered her and put pyjamas on her and put her into bed. What the fuck? Because obviously his expectation was that she would die and he didn't want to leave any trace. I can't. Like what? And she was so afraid oh. that she did, like she did she nothing. Did nothing. Nothing. Well, that, ha- that is frequently what happens. Like frequently nothing. Frequently what happens that poor girl. Did she die? No, she didn't die. She died, okay. Thankfully, but she was in hospital for like weeks. Yeah, of course. Oh um, my God, these fucking it's like oh so outside the courtroom as a rainbow sat in the sky carol told waiting reporters that she believed o'connor was pure evil she's not wrong Mm -hmm. he's just evil i would describe him as a psychopath no heart no conscience not nothing he never showed any remorse himself none whatsoever nothing and when he got sentenced he clapped his hands Carol spoke of O'Connor throwing her daughter down the stairs like a piece of garbage and jumping on her body, which caused the 52 bruises. We are very lucky that we got the sentence that we did, Carol said, because there's people out there who don't get justice for their loved ones. And we got justice for Jolene. Carol said Jolene's death is like a life sentence. Our pain will never go away and we will live with it for the rest of our lives. Carol, following Jolene's murder, called for more help for people suffering under the hands of domestic abusers. Carol was aware of how afraid Jolene was of the police, that speaking to them could cause more violence from the abuser, that speaking to them could eventually lead to her son being taken away from her. Carol said this needs to change and stricter laws need to be put in place to protect vulnerable people. So during Christmas 2022, Natalie McNally was murdered, making her the 38th woman to die by femicide in Northern Ireland since 2017. What? 38th woman to die by femicide. Since 2017. And we don't hear about them. Like we hear about one or two. And that's it. I can feel that family's pain in my gut. I was crying watching them as I knew what they were feeling, Harold said. 
Someone hurt their child. Someone took their child away from them. So in June 2022, the government approved a 363 million euro strategy to tackle domestic violence, sexual violence and gender based violence. Now, that's in the Republic of Ireland. However, in the North, a framework strategy for ending violence against women and girls is only due for consultation this spring. And due to severe budget constraints on the issues with the government, Kelly Andrews, who heads up the Belfast and Lisburn Women's Aid, believes it could be lost in a budgeting black hole. It's almost like a tolerance, for what want of a better word, for some femicides in Northern Ireland, Kelly told the Irish Times, which it is. They're just tolerating it. Yeah. Anti-stalking legislation was passed in Northern Ireland in 2022, bringing it into line with the UK. However, quote, an offence of non-fatal, non-fatal strangulation, often seen as a red flag for future risk of murder by an intimate party, has still come fully into effect. Yeah, I I heard, I know about that. It's fucking insane. You can strangle a woman. Yeah. And then it's like, well, he didn't kill you. He didn't so. kill you. He's going to kill you. And then we'll be like, oh, boohoo. We're yeah. so sad about the fact that you've been killed. Yeah. So a clock in Carol Core's kitchen has been stopped at the same time for five years. She said, that's the time Jolene died. I haven't changed it. 10 to 2 in the morning. Oh, wow. So that is the story of the horrific story of Jolene Core. I mean, that story was so upsetting. I just, I don't understand that. Like... And the fact that her kid was in the house and that was going on. And obviously her kid was five, so her kid was aware of what was going on. And then she would have seen her his her mum his mummy being abused constantly. And like, you know, she got away from him. But this happens all the time. They are manipulators. They weasel their ways their way back in. And like oh, you know what you can leave this in. Like for us when we were growing up, you know, we had something like that in our lives. Yeah. But my mother my little sister, my youngest sister, was used as collateral. When oh, my yeah, mum was trying yeah, yeah, to get yeah. away, yeah. it was, that's my child. I'll take my child. Yeah. I'll call social services and tell them what you're... D-. So it's that kind of thing that that was his kid. And I can 100% assure you he was using that kid as collateral. Yeah. Didn't give a fuck about the kid. Just wanted to be like, that's how I'm going to keep her. Yeah, yeah. Because that's an MO for domestic abuse yeah. they get you pregnant. Well, that's one of the things. It's like, you yeah. get pregnant really early in the relationship yeah. and then that's it. It's, it's like a hole like that they have in you. It's like you're stuck with me yeah. and... I did not know that thing about like social services take because yeah. like anyone I've ever heard no, of in Ireland that have been in a domestic violence relationship, I know they've gone to the women's aid refuge. Of course, and and the kid always goes. That's with the them. thing about Northern Ireland is they barely have any women's aid. They barely have anything like that to help women, and that's when they're because of this like strategy they're trying to put in place. It would be pumping money into those places for women to get them spaces, but they barely have anything. Because we have like we have quite a few. I know yeah. we need more. And, oh, we like, need, you know what's fucked is, is that, that we, we need, need more. more. Oh, we're like sitting here going, we need more of these places to put women that are being battered. We just need to put men in prison. Like that's actually what we need. Ninety-one to convictions, most of which were for domestic violence, and he was walking around. So not only that poor girl that came forward, Claire McCabe, there were so many girls before her. That this had happened to. Yeah. That just didn't because they were terrified. Like, it, I know most people, not most, but a, a high percentage of women that are abused don't go to the police. No. They don't go to the guardie. They just do that thing where they're like, I'll grin and bear it. They don't change their phone numbers. They don't do the things that you, you would be like, just do it. Because they're so terrified. They're like, he's going to hurt me or he's going to hurt my children. Mm. You know, but um, her mother is a fantastically strong, wonderful, astute person because I don't know how she was doing what she did. 
And Sarah wanted the pictures of her after what happened to her. They show pictures of her? Like, there were the pictures of her post what happened oh. when she was, like, out of the hostel. When I, and it's so terrible. I was like, maybe it's maybe weird of me, but I literally was like, I can't look at these pictures. Mm. He destroyed her. Mm. Like, she couldn't do anything for herself. She didn't recognise her own child. Like, they had to, like, feed her, wipe up after her. I mean, she had to be, essentially, <sighs> I, I know this is very difficult to hear, but she had to be starved to die. Literally starved to death. Because they were like, it's actually... Yeah. Wrong that we kept you alive. We kept you alive, yeah. And like even that doctor saying to her, I feel guilty because I kept her alive. Yeah. But he heard a noise. Like, and he thought, she's young, we'll try. Like, to be that severely beaten. That's like... like that's beat you up, like, and then to, f- to throw her downstairs and then follow her downstairs. She had bruises from like there to, to her toes. But the, just the in, in t- insane rage of that. Like, like, I remember, I think I've told this story before in the podcast, um, a woman who lived two doors up from us, and she was in a domestic violence yeah. really, like situation, and everybody on the road knew it. Yeah. Everybody was aware that yeah. her husband, her partner, whatever he was, and they had, a small, they had small kids, they had a girl and a boy, and the boy used to hang around with Richie. Yeah. But, like... He just, like, they all knew he was beating her. Emma, it was, like, not hidden. Like, it was not hidden. Like... Everybody knew she was being abused, and then I, I, I'm nearly sure I've told the story. There was, it was like the first time I've seen like pure physical rage. Yeah, she ended. So I, I used, I slept in the front bedroom of my mom and dad's house, and I've always been a light sleeper. I wonder yeah. why. <laughs> um, and I woke up to like a woman like screaming for help. Um, or was she? Scre- she wasn't screaming for help. She was like whimpering. Yeah. And also, we had no like double glazing. <laughs> you um, heard everything. And I oh, looked out my window, and uh, she was in our front garden, hiding behind the wall, and she was covered in blood, like covered in blood. And he was like <sighs> screaming out in the middle of the road, like looking for her, like trying to, try find, to find her. her. And so I got up and like, my dad was downstairs, but he had headphones on. He was like, it was like the middle of the night. My dad was a musician, so he would be up to like three, four in the yeah. morning. And uh, I was like, I won't say her name, but like, she, I still know the woman. And he opened the door and he let her in and he, she had a knife stuck in her arm. He'd like stabbed her. And then obviously when my dad opened the front door, it like alerted, the guy's name is Sean. It alerted Sean to like... the door had been open. And like, obviously, and so she came in and my dad rang the guards and whatever. But she was like, please don't ring the guards. Please don't. And he was like determined to get into our house. Like he was kicking in our front door. And my dad was like, you need to get the fuck away from our front door. But I remember all, like I remember just this like, this insane sense of rage. Like just this like blinding rage it's terrifying like, like to see someone's face changes yeah no he was te- like, like his eyes were black eyes he was dark, like yeah like, and this like, man ugh. was a ginormous he was built like a shit like brick house like he Massive. was a fucking monster of a man she was a little lady and she was of course Emma how is she there, there, she was tiny of course because that's what they do the vulnerability of people they like, take on the vulnerability of people and she had comfort her father like her mother and father lived around the corner from us and her dad was well known for being an abusive man <sighs> so she just like the cycle of her life she walked out of that and into that and it's just and she she like the ambulance came and took her that night Um, the police came she came back to the house and he was there. It happens. Yeah. It's um. And when I say like, like now what, eventually she got away from him. Yeah. 
But like, is she still away from him? Yeah. But but that is his son watched that, and his son turned out to be an absolute scumbag. His daughter watched that, like, because I remember my dad being like, "Where, where are the kids?" And she'd been trying to get the kids out of the house, like, and then she was like, "He's gonna hurt the kids. He's gonna hurt the kids." And then my dad was like, oh. terrified that he was gonna go back up to the house to like get the kids, to like, because it's like when I say like it was just like the most intense rage I've yeah, ever experienced. And I remember everybody in the house being like, if he gets in here, he's going to kill, kill us. kill everybody like. Because that is the thing, when they're like that, you there's no reasoning. She had a butcher's knife like directly through her forearm. Son of a bitch. That's some amount of force, like, directly through her forearm. And, and like she her, was like, and her little kids covered in, house, like, in blood. Her little kids in the house. Yeah. Like, I don't, I just wish we could. And then you have to have these conversations where it's like, where does this start and why is it happening and how do we get to the source of this? And then you see Andrew Tate. That's where it starts. And you go, oh, yeah. this is where it starts. This kind of learning what being a man is and how you have to be in power and strong and it's your way or no way and women have this role and I have this role. And you know, then people will laugh and be like, oh, the wokes think women shouldn't cook. But I'm like, but that is what's happening. You have created a, a, a structure for a woman where they're less than yeah. and a structure for a man where they're more than and then the two clash. And it's like, I, I, I'm just so sad for everybody that goes through this. Like, it's horrific. And it's damaging, Sarah. And it's damaging for your kids. Mm -hmm. Because your kids grow up in it. And then they're like, they develop things. They develop like coping mechanisms that are really unhealthy. They either become it or fight against it. That's usually, there's never an in-between with it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's fucked, man. I just, I'm going to put some resources in the show notes of this episode just for anybody who may be feeling like they're going through something like this. And please, if you think something is a red flag, please know in your heart and soul and in your gut that you're right. Yeah. You're right. Like, I'm sorry, your gut will always carry you and somebody does something that you're like, ding, 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 something's wrong there. Like, and if your friends are saying it's a flat, like, that's a red flag. Yeah. Like, no one loves you so much that they need the password to yep. your phone. Absolutely not. Like, no one loves you so much that in it, that you can't have friends and that he doesn't want you to be around them or yeah. that they don't or want your you family, to be around them. Or, yeah. or no one loves you so much that all of a sudden you're six months into a relationship and you're now so isolated yeah. because the only person that you're ever allowed around or it's easier to be around is him. is him we also need to teach little girls that love does not equate cruelty mm-hmm. because a lot of the time that's what we're teaching our little mm-hmm. girls oh if he's a be- if he if he's uh, controlling or possessive that means he really loves you or, or like, if he pulls your hair he fancies you or yeah, this kind of mentality weird and this playground. weird ass fucking or even bullshit. that thing of like a uh, Oh, if he gets jealous, he's just oh, really, he's just really like, into you. Re- no. no, no, he is jealous, and he's going to. And if they punch a hole in the wall, when I tell you, your face is next. Yeah, because that's where it starts. It starts with throwing things. It starts with punching things. It starts with the threat of violence that then turns on to you. But I know it's a heavy story or whatever. But just so many women are dying, and I don't even know. I didn't realise there was that many in the north. Oh yeah, it's it's bad. Like it's bad. As I remember when Ashling Murphy died, people all these articles start coming out that and about violence towards women in Ireland and the North was mentioned. And obviously for some reason theirs is just but I do believe that it's because the laws set in place aren't catching it where they should catch it. Yeah. And then it's just being left to kind of go way too far, obviously, to the to the realm of, of people being murdered. Um, but as I said, I'll put some resources at the end of this episode. And sorry, it's such a heavy episode. 
Um, and I hope everybody's okay. Here as a like, pick me up. Pick me up. Uh, the US shot down their spy balloon. They got rid of it. Woo! Did you see the the SNL sketch they did with no. Bowen? Is what's his name? Bowen. Oh, the, the guy who did yeah, the Titanic. I love him. He's, he did one as he's the so balloon, funny. and he's so it's so good. We get a chance to watch it. <laughs> have a look. Um, but Sarah was telling me that they were like trying to shoot it. To people in America trying to shoot it down with guns. People are so dumb. <laughs> the sheriff shoot it. The sheriff of that town had to tweet out a message that Being was like, like, "Hey guys, your bullets will will not go up for high enough." Um, um, amazingly so, because so can't shoot planes out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also your bullets will come down it's so funny so be responsible they sent out so they shut down the they shut down the airspace around it and sent oh out gosh. fighter jets to like shoot at me. oh Flavio was telling me today he was looking at his LinkedIn and it was like uh, frequent people who look at your account and it was the US Department of let me tell Immigration you. no do you know someone from the guards looks at my account You told me that before, yeah. And I fucking shit my pants every time I see it. <laughs> Wait, look at it. And then I went and found guards in my local like community Area. and uh, befriended all of them. US Department of State. So Smith and Nephew, Rockstar Games and Cora, Deliveroo and the US Department of State. What? Top companies your searches work at. Isn't that weird? That's mental. Um, but yeah, he was telling me that and I was like, oh, let's you get that job and go to Washington and I'll be like a drunk, a day drunk Washington wife. Mm. I fucking hate you. We should, should have never came. Yeah. I fucking disgust me. Yes. You fell in like, the... You fell in your son. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Go to bed. I want a new... <laughs> I want a new fur. I want a new... F- if I've got to do this, I want a new fur. I want some fur. I will live in this house. Throw the drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, you're okay. like Marge uh, when yeah. uh, Homer when joins in the, in the house. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Let me say this about Pierce Brosnan. He's a very attractive man. Pierce Brosnan's not in that episode. He's the house, the talking house. He does the voice. Oh no, I'm talking about the episode where Serpico. Yeah, Hank. Hank. Oh, is he playing the house? The house. Yeah, oh, like, I did not. Hello, Marge. Yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. Pierce Brosnan now is very attractive. Back in the day, you didn't find him attractive. No, not my thing. Now, but you very know what attractive. that is, Emma? What? We're men? old, and also men are allowed to age. Yes, like look at Pedro Pascal. I'm not attracted to him at all. He is. Everybody is upset. No, people you, are betting to him. Here's the thing, right? I think he dyes his hair. The internet needs to fucking chill their beans. Here's why: what? because they like need to pick an age. That they're into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that, what was the one that Ashlyn was mad about? And I just was like, I'm going to kill myself. I have to look at this man anymore. Who? The guy from Stranger Things. Oh, I don't know his name, but I know you're talking about. Yeah. Him. He was like the big thing everywhere all over yeah. TikTok. Couldn't get enough of him. And now like, they've stopped with that. Now they've stopped and they've moved like 35 years ahead. Yeah. Like Pedro Pascal's in his like what, mid what is he, 40s, mid 40s? 50s. Um, but yeah, the people are betting to him. They. But do I think he dyes his hair? Him. Yeah, I think he dyes his hair. Of course, he's all grey in his that. beard. Nothing wrong with that, Pedro Pascal. You do you. Um, but it's done very well. It is done very well. It's subtle. You know the way just some men and you're but like... Then I saw a picture of him. I only asked her because I saw a picture of him yesterday and he looked like he had like highlights in his hair and I was like, oh, he does hair. Oh, well, in um, the last <coughs> of us, they put those grey oh, highlights in. maybe that's in. what it is then. Maybe that's what um, it is. But the fucking internet, man. The internet! It's mental. We love the internet. Um, here, you know what else I learned today? What? Colin Hanks. Yes. And Chet Hanks. Do you not have the same mother? No, they don't. She died when he was younger. Oh, she's... Is she's No, she, Colin Hanks' mother is dead. Okay, but yeah, d- they were divorceable. Yeah. Um, which I said to Graham, doesn't that explain a lot? In what way? Oh, Chet. Chet, like, I was like, I don't understand. These two people are so different. Chet is... And fucking Orange County is a great movie. Go Fantastic watch that movie. 
Like fantastic! Actually, you know, everybody. Yes, go watch Orange County. It's a great movie. It's yeah. a fucking. Um, we're sorry for the Americans. <laughs> Apologize. Keep shooting the balloons out of the sky. Like. <laughs> we will be back next week for more things. Uh, and I'm sorry the story was a downer. Uh, but and it has to be done. It has to be done. It has to be done. We need to talk about um, it. And we will talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have, have a, nice a lovely week. week. Uh, if Look after yourself. Spy balloons. Don't try shoot them down. Do try shoot them down. Get a gun. Or a bow and a bow and a imagine. Boop, 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 boop. Imagine I love a crossbow. People just be yeah, fucking having parties. If there was one in Ireland, <laughs> we'd just be like, yeah, go on the barrel, go on the China. <laughs> what are they spying on with us? Fucking nothing. nothing. What do we have? Uh, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a nice evening, week and evening and week. Say bye. Colin, Sarah Jane lives in a house with a daughter, Lily, and her husband, Graham. Card, talk for a little while now for a long I know you like to throw on some Janet Lowe Saddle up them sexy horses, yo The kids from M.A.